in the service so far this morning. My name is Craig. I have the privilege of serving as the pastor here at Estevan Alliance Church, and it's my honor to lead us in a time of studying God's Word this morning. And we are going to talk about something this morning that people either love or hate, and it seems there's no in-between. Maybe you caught it as we were listening to the scripture reading. We're talking about running. I happen to be one of those people that enjoys running. Other people will look at me and go, why would you bother running if nobody's chasing you? It just doesn't make sense. But Paul actually uses the idea of competitive sport as being an illustration for us to talk about the church. And so this morning, we are going to take about, talk about this idea of competitive sport. How many people here would describe themselves as competitive? Okay, a few hands at home, yeah. Maybe a better way to get an honest description of this. How many people would say the person sitting beside them is competitive? Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Funny thing, my wife's putting up her hand. She's pointing at me. I know that, that's for sure. You know, the reality is we all are competitive. Every one of us has a competitive nature. You see it in kids right from the very beginning. You know, they're playing in the playground, want to get from the swing to the teeter-totter, and they start running. Last one of the teeter-totter is a rotten egg, and the poor guy at the back goes, first one has to eat it. You know, and we see that happening, and I, I was wondering this week, so when might the first running race have happened? Can you picture Adam and Eve in the garden at the apple tree and going, hey, let's go have some oranges. Okay, dear, let's go have some. Last one of the orange trees, a rotten egg, you know. Competitiveness is simply setting a standard and striving to achieve or better that standard. Sometimes we do it, the standard is others. But oftentimes we do it within ourselves as well. And this morning we're going to take a look at this idea of what is the standard? What is the prize that we are looking for as a church? We're wrapping up our series entitled, What is Our Quest? We've been taking a look at the purpose statement of our church, and this is the last Sunday that we'll be preaching in this series. And to do so, we are going to start by considering what is our prize. Paul talks a lot about pressing on towards the prize and the goal. And the book of 1 Corinthians is describing the church. So what is the prize? Pastors Club, here's what I want you to draw a picture of or describe in some way this morning. Describe a prize that you would like to win. It could be anything. What's a prize that you would like to win? But as we all think about that, I ask us this morning, what is the prize for the church? Paul starts out by encouraging us to press on towards that prize and says that he strives for it. What is the prize? We've talked a lot about the church over the last few weeks. We have taken a look at, actually it's been a couple of months that we've been going through this series, we've taken a look at the fact that the core of the church is God's love. That's why it's the most important part of our purpose statement. Everything we do is about God's love. We've taken a look at who the church is. The church is not the building or the organization or the structure. It's not even the people that gather on Sunday morning. Rather, it is those who are under God the church is made up of believers, and it's in a structure ordained by God which involves the universal church and local church. Now, yes, we gather as a church on Sunday morning, and we have all kinds of people coming and attending, but when we're talking about the church in terms of the teaching we've got in 1 Corinthians and our purpose statement, this is us as brothers and sisters in Christ. 
We spent six weeks talking about the action words, embrace and reveal. What do they mean? We talked about what it means to be united, one body, many parts, put together by God for different functions to fill different roles and to love and care for one another. And that idea of loving and caring for one another literally means to submit to one another, put the interest and well-being of others before ourselves. And we talked about how we reveal God's love within the church, but also outside of the church as we seek to live at peace with others. We talked about holiness and how a natural response to this love relationship that we have with God as we embrace God's love should be desiring to honor Him and to do what is pleasing to Him. And so it is how we show our love to God, but it's also how we demonstrate our love for God to others. We spent two weeks taking a look at what it means to embrace the triune God, the work of the Holy Spirit, and how not only do we embrace God the Father and the Son and the gift of salvation, but also the Holy Spirit giving the triune God control of our lives, being Spirit-empowered and Spirit-enabled, using the gifts God has given us to glorify God and to build up the church. And finally, we took a look at the word declare. And how we have the privilege and responsibility as a church to declare God's love both within our community and literally around the world. But you know, as we've taken a look at this, we have not yet touched on what is our prize. Our prize is not to become a church that is intentionally becoming people who embrace and reveal God's love. That's not the prize. The prize is not to become the biggest church or the best church or the healthiest church or the wealthiest church or have the strongest ministry in certain areas. No, the prize is something completely different. And Paul gives us a hint as to what we're talking about when he talks about a prize and talks about athletic competition and compares the church to it in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, where he says, I press on towards the goal. I'm running this race and working and going towards the goal. Why? To win the prize which God has called me heavenward. Folks, when we talk about the church, and as we talk about intentionally becoming people who embrace and reveal God's love, that is just the process that we go to and what we work towards while we're here on earth. But the prize of the church is eternity with Jesus Christ. It's knowing that one day we will stand before the Heavenly Father and He will open what the book of Revelation describes as the Lamb's book of life. And He will see our name in it he will say, well done, faithful servant. Enter into my presence today. Folks, the prize that we seek as a church is not an earthly prize. It's an eternal prize. Now, there are two types of prizes that are talked about in terms of heaven. There is that prize of eternity with God, but there also are prizes that we are given we don't call them prizes in the Bible. They're referred to as crowns. You know, the day is coming when every single person who ever has lived on earth will stand before the Heavenly Father and He will judge each one of us is the way it's described. We're told that we will receive crowns for what we've done. 
And you know, at first glance, you listen to that and it kind of sounds like, oh, so heaven's going to be all about walking around and going, look at me, I got 20 crowns. Whoa, you got 40 crowns. Look at that guy, he needs a wheelbarrow to haul all of his crowns. I don't think that's really how it's going to be, though. That definitely does not match up with how we're taught to be as Christians and to be the church here on earth, and I don't think that's what heaven's going to be like. It's not going to be a selfish, prideful, arrogant focus on look at me. For what does Scripture say also happens in the throne room? Every one of the beings there takes their crowns, lays them at Jesus' feet in an act of worship, and declares, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. You know, when we enter into glory, I don't think we're going to be looking around and going, so how many crowns did you have? How many crowns did you have? No, for we all will have laid our crowns before the Heavenly Father in worship, and we all will have that united focus of worshiping our Heavenly Father who we will be with. And it won't matter whether you earned one crown or a thousand crowns. We won't even care about those things, for we will have given everything that we have to the Lord in worship, and we will be on an equal playing field when we get into heaven. But if we're standing before God in judgment, what about all the bad things? Does that mean that we're going to have to, you know, like get punished for all the bad things that we do? Paul actually mentions being disqualified in the scripture reading that was just given, and at first glance it almost makes it sound like Oh boy, you know, did I make it in the Lamb's Book of Life or not? Have I lived a good enough life to get there or not? And it almost feels like I need to live in fear of never knowing. Have I pleased God enough? No, that's not what Scripture teaches at all. Scripture clearly teaches us that it's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to His mercy, He saves us. For it is by grace we are saved through faith. And this not of ourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. But if we're sitting in judgment, what about all the things that we have done wrong? Does that mean that God's just going to overlook it? It's not going to be as if it's not going to be there? You know, I read an amazing description of this this week as I was reading a devotional by John Piper. And in it, he used the word picture to describe what the throne room is going to be like. And he said, you know, it's like God's going to open up this folder, and in that folder is going to be everything we've done in life, and there's going to be a mark on every single page, A through F, and he'll pile all the A's over here and the F's over here, and he'll take them, all the ones that are in between, and start sorting until finally he ends up with two piles, the A piles and the F piles. But before saying a word to us, he will open the Lamb's book of life. And he will look and see. And if our name is not in the Lamb's book of life with tears in his eyes, he will look at us and say, away from me. And that person will be condemned to eternity, separated from God in that place with pain and suffering and fire. It's hell. But to those whose name is in the Lamb's book of life, John Piper uses the image of, it's like he will take a matchstick a matchstick that has been made out of the cross. 
and he will light that matchstick and he will burn up all of those F things. For he won't see the failures that we have had, the wrongs we have done, but rather because we've received God's love and forgiveness and are living in relationship with him, he will see his own son and he will see that holiness and he will burn up all of those Fs and then he will take that pile of A's and hold it up and with a smile on his face he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Folks, as we talk about the church, as we reflect on the church, this is not a series to encourage us to be the biggest church or the best church. This is not a series to encourage us to have the most people attending or the best finances in order or to give the most money away or to have the most missionaries or to have the strongest. Whatever standard we may look at, those are all good things to work for and may be part of embracing and revealing God's love, but they are not the prize. They are not the end goal. Our prize as a church is eternity with Jesus Christ. But why is it that most of the passage that we have just read and many passages throughout Scripture when they talk about this idea of describing the church in terms of competitive sport spend more time talking about the training? Why does our purpose statement start with the two words intentionally becoming? Because, folks, in order to be the church God has called us to be, it requires intentionality, it requires time and energy, and it is a process. I dare say that there is nobody, at least nobody who's part of our church family that I know, maybe nobody that's even going to watch this live stream at all, who will wake up tomorrow morning and go, I'm going to go run the 100-meter dash in the Olympics and win the gold medal and just go do it. If we have any Olympic athletes watching, awesome, God loves you, and sorry, I didn't mean to insult you. Anyway, you perhaps could, but for most of us, no. It would take a process. It would take intentionality. You know, it's been said that to be an expert in any field takes, does anybody know how many hours? Has anybody heard this? What was it? 10,000, right. It takes 10,000 hours of intentional work to be an expert at anything. In order for us to be the church God is calling us to be here on earth while our eyes are focused on that eternal prize, it takes intentionality. It takes work. It takes a process. And you know, there's two ways that you can have a successful team in sports. One way is to have an all-star player. I one time had the privilege of sitting three rows up from the floor at an NBA basketball game when Charles Barkley was playing. Now, if you don't know who Charles Barkley is, look it up later, but he, at, at the time, he was, he was one of the top, okay, and, and still probably holds records and stuff. And you know, honestly, I don't even know what team he was playing for at the time, because I wasn't excited about seeing his team. I was excited to see Charles Barkley play. And you know, the game started, and of course, Charles Barkley's out on the court, and sure enough, the team is all of a sudden, you know, blowing away the home team, which was no surprise, because the home team was pretty well bottom of the entire league. But then Charles Barkley goes on the bench. And all of a sudden, the game becomes pretty close. 
And the home team starts getting a few more points and a few more points. And next thing you know, they're catching up and it's going back and forth and back and forth. And all of a sudden, Charles Barkley comes out on the floor. And in a matter of about three minutes, there's 30 points scored. He's just draining threes like it's nothing and slamming as if he's you know, standing on his tippy toes to reach it kind of thing. And it's just like, whoa, what just happened? And then he sits down and the teams are equal again. And it went that way all night. Yeah, I do know that it definitely, the home team did not win. It was definitely lopsided. But it was because of their all-star player. You know, sometimes we view church in the same way. Oh, that's a great church over there because of that pastor. Oh, our church is great because we've got fantastic worship leaders and we can rely on those worship leaders to lead us in worship. Oh, our church is fantastic because we've got two amazing prayer warriors. And those prayer warriors are going to carry us through the tough times. Oh, we've got an amazing church because of, and we focus on individuals or specific strengths of the church, and we put that up on the pedestal and we say, that's what makes us a strong church. But what happens when your all-star player is injured? When Charles Barkley was off the court, those two teams were actually pretty close. You know, there's another way that you can have a strong team. It's by having every single player, all of your players, be a star in their own right, in their own way. Having every single player working on their own and training and learning the skills that they can do and honing their craft and becoming better at what they do. You know, in the church, I believe that God has given us an incredible gift in the midst of this time of COVID when so many things have been shut down. That gift is time to spend with him. I have had conversations with so many people that are just excited about what God has been teaching them through this time because they've had time to spend in the Word, in prayer, and using resources like Right Now Media. I've talked to some people that attend three church services on every Sunday morning. Well, you didn't do that before COVID, did you? I mean, well, I suppose we're a small enough community. You might be able to if our schedule was worked out right. But, you know, that people are taking advantage of this time and are spending time growing in relationship with God. I've heard stories of people who are experiencing prayer in, as two-way communication with God in new and renewed ways. I've heard of people that are grappling with theology in new and renewed ways. People that are growing in their relationship with God. Why? Because there is all of a sudden more time and they are choosing to use that time to grow in their personal relationship with God. Folks, that's like a team where each individual is training on their own. But you know, no matter how strong the skills are of every player on your team, unless you're getting together as a team and actually practicing working together, you're probably not going to be that strong. And you know, I see that during this time of COVID, God has given us another gift as a church. He is teaching us new and renewed ways that we can gather together. Do I look forward to the day when the tape comes off these pews and the doors are thrown open and we're packing this place out? Absolutely I do. And leadership of the church longs for that day. We all do. But you know, we've been given an opportunity right now to learn what it means to be the church and to gather together when we can't do so in ways that we perhaps used to do or would like to. You know, 
as leadership, we know that it is important to gather together. That's why very early on when I got here, the decision was made not to pre-record all the parts and upload it to YouTube and let people watch it whenever. We wanted a service on Sunday morning live streamed with as much of the leadership as possible being in this place because it's important for us as a church family to be gathering together at this time. It's important for us to have the leadership as much as possible being together, to worship together, to serve together. That's why when, the, when we were allowed to, the numbers increased in terms of how many people we could have, and we did everything we could to accommodate as many people as possible in the church. It's also why now the restrictions have changed and we can only have 30 people in the building that we are intentionally inviting people each week, giving everyone an opportunity to be in the building together. Folks, this is why the very first ministry that was restarted by our leadership team was a prayer meeting. Not just let's pray together in our homes, but a corporate prayer meeting. Sunday morning prayer, 9.30. People gathering together to pray for the Sunday morning service, for the church family, for the community. This is why we have so many Bible studies meeting at church right now, because this is how we can gather. And we embrace that and celebrate that. We're up to five Bible study groups that are going. The, the uh, newest one just started on Friday. They almost, almost got up to their capacity limit, and so we're going to have to figure out what we do with that. But that's an exciting thing to have, problem to have, is to figure out how can we gather. But we are learning what it means to gather in new ways. We are learning what it means to be the church. For training is not necessarily gathering everyone all together. Even on a sports team you see that. You don't always have the whole team on the field at all times. You get little sections together to work on things. In fact, I was just recently reading a news article about the local volleyball club and they were saying how one of the strengths of this time when they've only been able to have smaller groups together is they've actually been able to do some things in training that they never could before because they always had more people on the court. Folks, we as a church not only have an eternal prize to focus on, we have the privilege and responsibility to be in training, to be working at being the church God has called us to be. And that involves both individual time with the Lord and growing, but also corporate time with the Lord. As we've gone through this series, we have looked at a lot of different aspects of church. And they all are important. And they all are things that we should be working on. But let us not forget that first of all, our ultimate goal, that prize that we strive for, is for spending eternity with God in heaven and seeing as many people as possible with us at that time. That's the calling that God has given. When Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, he wasn't meaning go and just get them part of the church right now. His picture was eternity. That as many as possible will be together with him. But folks, this series that we have gone through is also a series that implies that we need to be intentional, we need to be willing to work at things 
for growth is a process. As a church, we have said that we desire to be intentionally becoming people who embrace and reveal God's love. How are we going to do that? In our, purpose, our vision and values document, we have a section that talks about the action that we will take, the ways we will be growing as a Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, missions-focused church. It also talk, uh, talks about a third section of the areas of priority of ministry or the things that we will do, the, the resources that we have to help us grow in these areas. List things like worship and fellowship and stewardship and service and evangelism and the list, there's a number of lists of, of areas of ministry that we focus on. And folks, we need to be doing all of these things. We should be growing in what it means to embrace and reveal God's love. But let us never have earthly success as our ultimate goal. For the prize that God has called us toward is eternal. I want to invite the worship team up on the platform. And we're going to end this service by focusing once again on what we started this whole series on. Focusing on God's love. And we are going to celebrate communion together. And as we do so, it is an opportunity for us to celebrate and to remember God's love, but also to reflect on the reality of his love in our own life. And so to help us in transitioning to that focus, the team is going to lead us in a song which is brand new. Some of you may choose to simply sit and reflect on the lyrics of the song. Others may choose to engage in worship by singing along. Others may want to take this time just simply as a time of quiet prayer and reflection. However you desire to use this time to worship, may this be a time of helping us to transition to intentionally focusing on God's love. And may we use this time to prepare our hearts to give thanks for his sacrifice. <laughs>